Welcome to another episode of Guide Live B2B Jam Session. Today, I am joined by a phenomenal woman, Deborah T. Owens, who is the CEO of Corporate Alley Cat, who is focused on helping professionals of color advance their careers. She is a phenomenal woman, and I've been grateful to know her for quite some years now. In fact, I used to formally work with her when I was in grad school, and her mission is to ensure that every professional of color is fully supported and equipped for both opportunities and challenges in the corporate arena. She's a seasoned executive and change agent with 20 years, 20 years, y'all, of fortune 100 business experience. She's worked for some of the top companies in the world, and she's had a front row seat to the unique experiences and challenges faced by professionals of color in the workplace. And I thought it was perfect and timely to really have her on our podcast today, given what's going on in the state of the world, and and to have her share some of her thoughts on it. So we'll be diving deep on a lot of things that organizational leaders can do to build more equitable workplace practices as they build their organizations, but also thinking about how do we think more importantly about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and really start from the ground up in building really inclusive organizations. We're also going to dig deep on her background and all of the things that she's working on in her speaking career, as well as with the Corporate Alley Cat movement, as I like to call it. With that said, let's bring on the phenomenal Mrs. Owens onto the show. How are you doing, Mrs. Owens? Hey, Tim. How are you? I am blessed this lovely, Good. lovely Tuesday morning. How are you? What's going on in your world and how are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling hopeful. Good. Hopeful. I guess that's my word. Mm-hmm. That's a powerful word. I love that. <laughs> I love hopeful. that. So where are you tuning in from? You're, you're in Atlanta currently, right? No, I'm in Washington, D.C. Oh, Washington. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Good, good, good. Happy you're doing well. You know, I would love for you to share with us a little bit about, you know, what inspired the Corporate Alley Cat movement. I like to call it a movement because you have been at it for quite a few years. So I would love for you to share that with us. Thank you, Tim, because it really is a movement. I started the Corporate Alley Cat about four years ago. And the idea for the Corporate Alley Cat was born many years before that when Mm. I experienced discrimination in the workplace. And it was really interesting because I didn't know what to do. No one ever tells you what to do if you experience discrimination in the workplace. And I had a lot of support. My father's an attorney. I have other attorneys in the family. I had good friends. I had advocates at work. But nobody wants to talk about discrimination or racism in the workplace. And so it was a very difficult time for me. It was about eight months of hell. I lost 20 pounds. My hair was falling out. I was on antidepressants. It was a really awful time. And so what I wanted to do once my situation was resolved is I wanted to make sure that no one else ever had to go through that alone. Mm. Because what happened in my situation was ultimately a letter was sent to the president of the organization. I asked for immediate resolution and the president called me a week later 25 minute conversation, my situation was resolved. Mm. I continued to stay with the company and take on leadership roles. But I realized too many people have a different experience. Mm. What happens is we get frustrated and we just quit. Yeah, It's so stressful on your mental, physical, emotional being that it's many times people just say, I just can't fight anymore. 
And I get numerous um, letters about that. And I wanted to say one other thing real quickly. Last week we did a webinar called Black Corporate Traumas, wow. where we really talked about the experiences that black professionals have, not everybody, but many have in the workplace. It's something that we don't talk about and we need to talk about it because there are a lot of people who are suffering in silence and organizational leaders as well need to realize the full impact of racism, microaggressions, all of those types of things to their employees. Mm. So I can't tell you it, I'm still overwhelmed by the response. My LinkedIn has been flooded with stories and mm. they're heartbreaking. They are heartbreaking. So what I wanted to do was to create, a, create an organization that would provide support for professionals of color so that when they get in those situations that they know what to do. They have someone who can provide some strategy because that's what you need. Mm. Oftentimes you have a girlfriend and she's, your girlfriend's like, you just need to quit. You just need to leave that organization. Just leave that organization, right? <laughs> Which is, I love the solidarity, but that's not what you need. You need a strategy. You know, how am I going to address the situation? And how, how am I, most importantly, going to honor myself during this process? And hold the company accountable, too, right? Hold the company accountable. Hmm. Absolutely. And I think too many people, I think I remember people saying to me, well, Debbie, you know nothing's going to happen. And here's what I always say to people, nothing ever happens when you never ask. Mm. And oftentimes when I talk to people, I find out that they didn't ask. And listen, we did a webinar with Erica Banks. She was with Pinterest and she did ask and she had a very different outcome. And that happens too. But what we did was we brought a psychiatrist, a psychologist, someone who just left their organization who had just gone through it to talk about it. How do you identify it? How do you manage it? How do you address it? And how do you keep those situations from derailing your career? Mm. So for you, you know, the, this movement that you've been building, because you've had you, you, there's a lot of allies who are part of it. Me being mm -hmm. one, but also a lot of people in leadership roles that you bring on to your webinar, monthly webinars, by the way, that really speak out on this. I want you to share a little bit about, you know, why do you believe it's so important for people to take control of their careers and actually be proactive in seeking out this information? And, and really, how do you handle workplace discrimination? So the first question was, why do I think it's so important that people take control of their careers? Because it's your career. Mm. I think it's just that simple. It is your career. You get to make the decisions, the ones that you can control in your career. And I think that there are a lot of people out there who are frustrated and some I might even add are bitter mm. because they haven't taken control of their career. They're waiting on someone else to make the decisions for them. Mm. And so I encourage people to get back in the driver's seat, figure out what you want to do, understand what you can control and not control, and just take baby steps. Just take action. Keep moving forward. Let people know where you want to go. Let people know what you want to do. Mm. Let people know when something is not equitable or it's offensive. Yeah. Let people know. And I think that I 
I can't speak for everybody, but I think oftentimes many in the, particularly the black community is you often hear these terms, I don't want to rock the boat. Hmm. You know, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want it to get complicated. I say rock the damn boat. Hmm. Right. And what I mean by that is oftentimes leaders don't know everything that's going on in an organization. Hmm. I've been in this situation where I've talked to leaders and said, well, here's what's going on. And they said to me, well, Debbie, we haven't heard this from anybody else. Hmm. And oftentimes that's because we suffer in silence. And I get that because people think you can get fired. They're going to be these repercussions. You're going to um, stall your career. But I think at the end of the day, you have to do what's right. And more importantly, what's right for you. And that's different for everyone. You know, it's 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 so powerful because you you know what I love about the work that you've done and the movement that you've been building is that you provide provide so much education. <laughs> but not only education, because I think it doesn't and we don't address these issues alone with education, but also community for a right. lot of people who are facing these challenges. You know, I want to ask you because I think that's what a lot of organizations currently are challenged with, right? They don't really have a, a community focused on belonging in a lot of their organizations to create more ethical, et, more um, equitable, and I think ethical um, workplace structures for people to succeed. And I think that I want to I want to get your thoughts. How do you recommend leaders to lead during a crisis such as COVID-19 in which, you know, a lot of workplace discrimination and a lot of things around the Black, Life, uh, Black Lives Matter movement are actually something that a lot of leaders are considering. Okay, how are we thinking about our people of color? How are we thinking about creating, you know, how are we thinking about being more empathetic to their needs, right? Not only within our workforce, but mm-hmm. what's going on in society. So uh, once again, you know, how do you recommend leaders lead during a crisis um, equitably in a sense? Um, well, let me say this first, and I've said this, to leaders that I've talked with. I know that there are organizations out there that have really been affected by the Black Lives uh, Movement, Black Lives Matter Movement, and they've given money to various organizations. And I think that's great. But the first thing I would say to leaders is that racism is not going on out there. It's going on right where you are. Mm. So if you want to start, the first thing is recognize that it is in your workplace. Whether you've seen it or not, it is there. So we need to start there, recognizing it does exist. And it has a name, and that name is racism. Hmm. People are very, very uncomfortable with that word, right? But it exists, and it's there. So I would say the first thing is, let's stop tiptoeing around the word. It's there, it exists, and more importantly, people have been harmed by it and are continuing to be harmed. So that's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is be honest. Take a good look at your organization. Yes, this is a big problem and it's not going to change overnight, but there are things that you can do now. And I'll get back to that. The other thing I would say is listen. Mm. But at this point, you know, we're ha- we've had a lot of conversations. It's time to act, right? Um, and I would say learn. There are lots of 
people within your organization who have ideas, tap into those ideas. Hmm. I would say what's also very important is don't invalidate someone else's experience because you haven't seen it. Hmm. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And that happens too often. Well, I, I haven't heard about that. Well, you know, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Of course, you don't think it's that big of a deal because it's not happening to you. Mm. And it's not happening to you every day. So there are little things that you you can do. Um, you can take a look at your leadership team. If you're sitting around your executive table trying to figure out what do we do about this? Yeah. And everyone is a white male or a white male and one white woman. Um, and don't count the chief diversity officer as the, the black person on your, because that's what people say, well, we got so-and-so, that's the chief diversity officer. Yeah. Don't count that person. That's horrible. <laughs> you, you, have a, you have an issue there. Yeah. Why don't you have diversity on your leadership team? Mm. So start at your executive level, then go down a level. Why don't I have diversity at the director level? Yep. yep. Go down a little further. Why do we only have one black senior manager? Mm. Go down a little further. And why are the majority of the people of color or the black people still in these entry level positions? And why is our turnover so high? Yep. Look at your exit interviews. And if you're not doing them, do the exit interviews and use them as a learning experience. Hmm. Pay equity. You can look at who's getting paid what. You don't have to start with the, the entire organization, but you can start in those, those areas that you think it's most critical. Um, I would say that if you're trying to build a diverse pipeline, I would start there hmm. with your future leaders because those are the people that you want to stay with the organization. You have uh, employee resource groups that are underfunded. Let's just be honest. You're, you're given $3 million to the NAACP and your, your, your black employee resource group is struggling to get $30,000. That's ridiculous. Right? Yeah. You've got a chief diversity officer who wants to implement plans, but you don't have, they don't have any funding but yet you have $10 million to give to an outside organization. And I want leaders to think about how that impacts your employees. Hmm. You, you have to be congruent. If you say black lives matter, then show it because sometimes the message is black lives matter out there. Yeah. But not here. Your employees are noticing that. Right. So I think there's a lot of things that organizations can be doing right now. Look at your succession planning. Hmm. Do you have diverse candidates on there? If you don't go back and identify some wow. di some diverse candidates yeah, and, and ask yourself why. Hmm. When you interview, do you have a diverse slate? Look at how you recruit. Are you an organization that's been recruiting for the same way for the last 25 years and you still <laughs> wonder why you can't? There are lots of organizations like that, that you still don't understand why you can't find diverse candidates. Go where the diverse candidates are. The other thing I would say to organizations is recruiting would not be as difficult if 
the people they currently have are thriving and having a good experience. They will be your best recruiters. Hmm. Right. So there are things right now. Um, and I just want to touch on recruiting because a lot of organizations spend a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of energy on recruiting. Then they bring people in and poof, nothing. There's no support. Uh, there's lack of opportunity. They don't get access. So I want to encourage leaders out there to not just think about the recruitment part of it, but how are you developing and retaining that talent? What strategies, programming do you have in place to support your diverse talent? Most organizations have very little. So powerful. I want to show love to our amazing God community who's tuned in and has been listening to you speak and inspire. Deborah, you know, shout out to Crystal who's saying, Me too, rock the boat. <laughs> rock the boat. Shout out to you, Crystal. You know, Natalie is saying, Hi. She is enjoying our conversation and she's so happy to be participating. As well as Crystal, who's saying, Wow, you know, my 24 year old daughter went through a very similar situation. It too made her physically and mentally sick. I encourage her to stay and fight and I resulted and it resulted in her being terminated. The situation devastated her. Deborah, what are your thoughts on on people who who face issues like this? And much love to Justin as well. Yeah. So, this is a topic that I'm really passionate about. So, I want to go back to my statement where I said rock the damn boat. Cuz <laughs> I think that's I think that's important. But here's the thing I want people to know. I'm not just talking about your organization. I'm talking about your own boat the boat you were in. Hmm. Too many people are just sitting in their boats. And what happens when you're just sitting in the boat? Nothing. You don't go anywhere. Hmm. You need movement to propel that boat forward. So yes, we want to hold the organization accountable, but hold yourself accountable as well. Do you need to start rocking your own boat? Do you need to step up your game a little bit? So these situations are so common. The one that she um, spoke about, literally, I could almost say a couple of times a week, I get notes and letters from people who are going through that. And, and you had access to my LinkedIn. You know that I get these stories, right? Yeah. And so one of the things that I would say to people is make sure you get support. Mm. So you may need to reach out to a mentor you may need to um, reach out to an attorney, and I don't mean bring a lawsuit, but an attorney can help you figure out what you need to document, what your conversations need to look like. You can reach out to the corporate alley cat. Um, we, um, unfortunately, a lot of the coaching we do usually is when people are in crisis, not all of it, but a lot of it. And what I find, Tim, is that people wait too late to speak up. Wow. That's true. That I would say in about 80% of the cases that we work on, people just wait too late. And I get it. it listen, it took me eight months. So <laughs> I get it. So what we focus on is being proactive. How, what are the actions you can take before you get to that point? Right. And so, um, can I, I'll give you an example. We had someone who came to us who was referred to us. And this is someone who had been working in the organization for 10 years. Mm. And they got a meets expectations at the end of 2019. And out of the blue, their manager said they had a pattern of poor performance. Mm. 
And then they did a follow-up email a couple of days later that basically to me looked like it was a warning letter. And the, the letter I could tell was not sanctioned by HR. I could just look at the wording and, and, and the way it was put together. So I, I already knew that we had a manager that had gone a little rogue, right? So I said, we're not gonna address that second letter. We're just going to address this first one. And what we did, we, we put together a very clear, concise, and short. That's the other thing. These seven page letters, nobody's reading them, right? You need to be clear, concise, and ask for what you want. And we simply stated, thanks for the feedback. Um, please share specifics and in, of the incidents and details so this person could take corrective action. We indicated that we were very surprised by these comments based on previous history. And, you know, we closed it out, but the action was they needed to get back to this person and, and give them more than you have a pattern of poor performance. Wow. And what I will tell you is that two weeks later, that was no longer an issue. Wow. Right. So a lot of times we just don't bring things up and we just hope, and I get it. You just hope it goes away. My manager hasn't said anything, so I'm not going to say anything. Maybe it goes away. It doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. Right. You have to address it. And I always say address it early. And one of the things, Tim, that people always say to me is that I don't want to be confrontational. I don't I don't want to be confrontational. What I always say is I say clarification, not confrontation. Mm. Right. Every every conversation does not have to be, hey, why would you say that to me? It could be as simple as, hey, you mentioned the other day that you didn't think my performance was at the level you expected. I'd really like to understand more about that so I can understand your expectations and make sure that I'm able to not only meet them, but excel. So can you give me some specific feedback? What does it, what, what did you expect to see or what should it look like? Hmm. Right. And it doesn't have to be when things are going bad. If you're one of those people and you are killing it on the job and nobody's asking you for stretch projects, they're just saying, keep going. You're doing a great job, Tim. Oh, keep it up. You know, get feedback. Let them know. Hey, thank you. My goal is not only to do a great job, but to really excel in this role. And thank you for recognizing that. As you know, I'd like to continue contributing to the organization at higher levels. Mm. And I'd love to talk to you about what that leadership path may would look like and how I can be a part of it. Mm. And really ask those questions. Yeah, yeah. clarification. I love that. That's such a yeah. powerful, you know, tidbit. Yeah, you can you can ask whatever is is on your mind that is keeping you up at night, address it. Mm. And listen. As Erica said in our corporate black corporate traumas, it may be uncomfortable, but you're uncomfortable already. Yeah. So, you know, be uncomfortable in the mission of doing something good for yourself and ultimately something that's good for the organization. But I want to encourage people, if nothing else, to speak up. And one of the things that I say is I have never, ever regretted speaking up. Even those times when it was clumsy and it was clunky and it didn't come out right, I've never regretted that. I've only regretted the times that I didn't say anything. Hmm.
You know, it was only the times where I didn't say anything. And those are the times where you really give up control. When I let someone else control the narrative mm. about me. That's true. That's true. You know, and you know, one of the things I've always loved about you is your ability to speak truth to power and be very bold in what you do. And I feel as if that's also a, a value of the corporate alley cat. You know, Deborah, thank you so much for coming on our show. I would love for you to share with our amazing community, you know, where can they join you to be a part of your movement? And more yes. importantly, you know, what are some of the things that you have coming up next with the corporate alley cat? All right. Can I just say one other thing? All right. Uh, because it's a question I didn't answer. You you asked me early on, how do you handle discrimination? Yeah. So I just want to give a couple of tidbits. The first thing is document. Document everything. The moment that it feels like something isn't right, listen to your gut. If it mm. feels like it's not right, it's not. I've done this informal survey, Tim, for the last 10 years, and I've asked people who've gone through these situations, when did you know something was off? And Erica, who was in our last webinar said, she knew before she took the job, right? So you know, trust your gut. The second thing I would say is document. Don't just keep a journal early on, document and send that note to that manager asking for clarification. You wanna try to nip this in the bud because I have seen these situations escalate so quickly with black employees that it will give you whiplash. Right. So document, get together with your mentors, your advocates. If you don't have any support, reach out to the corporate alley cat. We can provide support and guidance. And so one of the things people say is, oh, I don't want to spend money on that. Well, you know, recently we had somebody they're making one hundred and sixty thousand dollars. They may have spent twenty five hundred dollars with us, maybe three thousand dollars. It saved their job. Wow. Is it worth it? Yes. You know, because not only did it save that person's job, but it gave them some time to determine if they want to stay or leave. It protected their health because they didn't have to sit there in that stressful situation. So you can join our community at corporatealleycatmembers.com. That is our membership community. I encourage people to join it. It is loaded with resources, templates, scripts. It's $47 a month to join. And listen, it may not be for everyone, but I want to say to people, how much are you investing in your career? Mm. Or are you just expecting other people to invest in you? You know, people don't have a hard time calling me and wanting to talk to me for two hours. Yeah. You know, wanting me to invest in them, but yet they're not willing to financially invest in themselves. So listen, I want people to think about it. It doesn't have to be our organization, but get the support and the tools you need early. Mm. The other thing is they can visit our website at corporatealleycat.com. There's lots of things in there. And if they follow me on LinkedIn, Deborah T. Owens, you will see we share lots of video clips. And I'm amazed at You're the back, actions. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm amazed at the, the actions. I, I put a literally a two-minute clip on our negotiation video. Somebody sent me an email that day and said, I watched that clip and I went back and asked for $5,000. Wow. They came back with me two hours later. Now I probably say you, you probably still didn't ask for enough if they came back in two hours later, but that's a great start. So ours is more than education. Ours is about activation and execution. Mm. 
You know, we're, we're not one of those places where we want you to sit all day and look at our videos. We want you to take that information and do something with it. And I can tell you that the corporate alley cats that I've worked with in our community have seen tremendous success. And it's not the big things, believe it or not, it's the little things that you do consistently. I just had one of my clients call me and we had helped him when he left his last job and we worked with him as he started his new job. Hmm. He, in the first year, he knew more people at his new job, had more mentors, advocates as in, at his new job than he had at 15 years at his old job. And he just called me two weeks ago and said he just got a $20,000 bonus, retention bonus. Wow. So listen, those small things make a difference. So I want to encourage people, reach out, get the help you need. One of the things that as black professionals we do is we believe we always have to do it alone. Hmm. We believe that we always have to do it alone. We are very invested in our facade of I have it all together when a lot of us are barely hanging on, yeah. right? Um, you're not the only one. If you are struggling, trust me, there are lots of people who've been in that situation and lots of people who've successfully gotten out of those situations. So you don't have to figure it out on your own. If you want to advance your career and you're not clear on what your strategy should be, don't try to figure it out on your own. Ask for help. Our goal really is very simple. It is to accelerate the su your success and shorten the learning curve. Hmm. I made all of these mistakes 20 plus years ago. I think it's awful. I think it's downright criminal that people are still making those same mistakes because now we know hmm. how to address them. So the information is out there. So I invite everybody to join us in the Corporate Alley Cat community, hop on a webinar that we do every month. We have another one coming up in August. I'm not, I can't confirm the title, but we have a part two of the Black Corporate Traumas that's coming up in probably September. But we also have one coming up and I'll just give you a teaser. It's called the new informational interview or the new interview. And it's what are the questions that you might want to ask before you join that organization that oftentimes we're scared to ask. It's a new day. And I've had the pleasure of joining. Ask those questions. Yeah. I've had the pleasure of joining one of Deborah's many webinars that she does monthly. Yeah. And it's a wealth of information and community as well. And community is huge. Yeah. I mean, we had, I, we had over 350 people register for our black corporate traumas. And we had well over 200 people on the call. And I couldn't, there was so much engagement, literally, I couldn't keep up with all of the comments. <laughs> I, I just couldn't keep up. Oh, this is the other thing I wanna let people know. This is the Corporate Alley Cat PSA. If you go to my LinkedIn page, Deborah T. Owens, you will see a link in there. We are offering a complimentary replay of black corporate traumas. I think it's that important that people look at this video and it's not just for professionals of color. If you are an organizational leader mm. and you want to really better understand what your black employees are experiencing, I want you to watch this video. Love it. Love it. Deborah, because you. actions, ac your actions and words are harmful. They truly are. It's really thank you so much, Deborah. For thank you, Tim.
for joining us uh, in our movement and allowing us to be a part of your movement yes. you know, and the work that you're doing in Corporate Alley Cat. We need to have you on for a future episode. What do you think? I think so. And Tim, I think it would be helpful. Don't you love I'm giving you more suggestions? <laughs> Tim, I, I think it would be helpful if you told people how we actually met. Yeah, so so Deborah and I actually met through LinkedIn. And this was when I was actually in grad school hustling my life yeah. away, working like five like, jobs, um, party yeah. people. And, you know, we literally just made contact. She reached out to me because she saw the work that I was doing and she was really interested in working with me, learning from me and us learning together. And mm -hmm. we've been friends ever since. It's been an amazing relationship ever since. And, and that's, you know, that was three years ago. Was it no, three years ago? It feels it like it was three years ago, but it was actually just two years ago, actually. Was it just two years ago? <laughs> wow. It feels like it's been longer. I yeah. wanted you to tell that story because I want people to realize that you can make authentic meaningful relationships on LinkedIn. That's true. That's true. It's very, very true. And a lot of people don't realize this. Deborah, mm -hmm. thank you so much. We appreciate you. Thank you. The movement that you're leading. And we definitely need to have you back on. Absolutely. And please, y'all, remember her takeaway. Don't wait. Be proactive and definitely join the Be proactive community. Yes. <laughs> Talk to you soon, Deborah. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Woo! Isn't Deborah just a ball of amazing fire and energy? You know, shout out to Crystal who shared her comments. It's very interesting you mentioned a manager that had gone rogue. That situation is not unique. It's almost a rule. And how do you navigate around a manager that has gone rogue that they have been able to do that probably based on their own leadership aligning to happen? You know what? Similar to what Deborah said, Crystal, I think you have to be proactive, document as much as possible, and seek clarification not confrontation, seek clarification, not confrontation in all that you're doing. Because the reality is that a lot of organizations don't have their work figured out when it comes to building more equitable and inclusive practices within their organization. So they may not have a practical strategy to solve the problem, but you are okay if you do what's right by you and what's within your right and within the legal framework of the law and documenting your situation, documenting your experience and being very frank in what you're dealing with and being very upfront too with leadership as well as your senior manager. You are in a position of power. You are not in a position of weakness. So definitely remember that crystal. With that said, my next guest, he's pretty awesome. I love Daniel Roth. He's a rock star. He is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn News, editor-in-chief of LinkedIn News, as well as VP of LinkedIn and VP at LinkedIn. And we're going to dive deep on a lot of stuff related to leading remote teams, his career, how he got into journalism, and really what's next for LinkedIn News and all of the cool things that he's often doing. With that said, we're going to take a little bit of pause, get some water. I'm going to go fill up my teacup and then we'll be right back. All right, y'all. Talk to y'all soon.
And we're back. I hope you got some water. I hope you got some tea. So up next is the phenomenal Daniel Roth. I love this guy. He's pretty awesome. And he's super active on, you name it, and you guessed it, LinkedIn. He's the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn News based out of LinkedIn's New York City offices. Sally, he's not in the offices right now because things are still pretty shut down in New York. And Roth oversees a team of editors across the globe from Berlin to Sydney, everywhere, who handle the curation of breaking news on LinkedIn, what's to know for every professional, and views on LinkedIn. They create original articles and content and videos, and they cultivate everything you see, everything that you read on LinkedIn. They curate it. It's quality. It's amazing, as well as the top contributors and the top voices that they have on the platform. They highlight them, and he's been doing it for years, and he has a illustrious background and we're going to dive deep on his background his journey and really a lot of the changes that he's currently seeing in the tech and media arena as well as how do you effectively lead remote teams being that he's someone that does that daily with that said let's bring on daniel to the show daniel hey man hey how you doing thanks for having me on <laughs> thank you for joining man how are you doing man I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm sorry for this. Got a little phone ringing in the background here. Things are uh, things are fine. I'm working out of. Uh, I'm actually not in my place. I'm at a friend's apartment in Brooklyn who has this incredible library like setup here. So I feel so smart sitting in front of it. Um, but uh, <laughs> this is not my. This is, these are all. These are all. These are all borrowed props essentially. But things are going well. Like learning how to how to manage a team, a global team where no one is working in the office where the virus is hitting different countries at different times in different ways and um, and dealing with workforces that are all impacted uh, in, in in ways that are making them rethink what it means to work. So mm -hmm. it's not just a U.S. problem, but for instance, in Japan, there's huge changes in how people are working in Japan, which was a country where uh, FaceTime meant everything and learning how to read your boss was super important. Now, as everyone works virtually, it totally changes things. So the, yeah. the my team has to think about the kind of content that is valuable for navigating the future of work. Yeah, no. You know, so I want you to dive deep on what are two to three trends that you're really, you've been really keeping an eye on globally um, around how COVID-19 has affected the business world. Sure. Um, I think that the... There are a um, there are a few big ones. Number one is learning how to work in a distributed environment, yeah. um, and I think that you know I was just uh, listening to Deborah talk about her tips for um, for getting ahead at work, and some of those are even harder to do where you don't know your colleagues. You know, she, she gave this great example. I thought of someone who came in and really like networked and met all these people, but it's hard to do when all you know of people is being in the background of their zoom calls. Yeah. And learning to, to work in this distributed way is something that all of us are trying to figure out globally. That's a huge one. It's having, it has positives and, and negatives. We had a great conversation with um, the C, excuse me, the CEO of box who um, talked about the democratization of working just in a distributed manner. And what happens when everyone can weigh in on a Google Doc, let's say, and mm -hmm. or you're sitting in a meeting, Rose uh, Mercario, the CEO of uh, the outgoing CEO of Patagonia, which was a 100% no work at home company, everyone had to be there, you had to be all around each other. She talked about what she has learned from being able to watch her as she does these kind of zoom or team meetings, 
mm. and watching the facial reaction of people as they are responding to things that she's saying in real time has changed how she leads. So mm. the distributed workforce is, I think, the, probably the biggest one. And there's some companies that are saying like, hey, we are now permanently work from home, or other ones are saying we're going to do it more often. That's a really big one. Um, the second one is uh, is what happens when borders start getting closed. Mm. This is something that um, that uh, the CEO of Bridgewater talked about. Bridgewater is the world's largest hedge fund. Um, he mentioned that the uh, that when that we worked in a world where if you were building a company, you could find talent and products anywhere. Yeah, and borders didn't matter. You just went wherever it was cheapest to produce your goods. Now, if you're running a, if you're starting a small business and you want to make T-shirts, you can't like count on getting them made in some town in China and having them shipped to the U.S. because borders are closed. There are rules about it. You can't travel, and so that's really upending how we have worked for a really long time. Um, and then the third big one, I would say, and this is not COVID related, but is sort of been come out of this is this question of equity in the workforce. Mm. And for so many years, this questions of diversity and inclusion and building a workforce that represents the actual world we live in is something that a lot of companies have given lip service to or have put someone in who was a DNI expert and said, hey, this is your world. You figure this out. And post uh, after the George Floyd killing and the reaction to it, companies are now being forced to not just uh, being forced by their employees and by their customers, but the employees part is the really interesting one to me, is being forced by their employees to uh, actually put action behind their words. Mm. And I think some of that, I would tie that back to COVID because it has had a, I think we've had this pent up, people are waiting home and they've been pent up and, and this is the first time where they're like, hey, the world's changed. I'm not going to sit back and passively let it come to me. I'm going to now come out and take a stand. Everything's messed up. I'm not going to let this be something else that's further messed up. So mm -hmm. three huge changes. We think a lot about it from an editorial perspective on the kind of news that we're curating or creating on LinkedIn. Um, those are kind of three massive topics that we're constantly uh, uh, trying to make sure that we're getting in front of, of professionals. No, and it's, so, and so it's so into your point. You're so right because I think you know what we're seeing with COVID nineteen was a triggering effect. Yeah, that, and that was the pressure cooker moment. I think in our world that is now seeing, I think a tipping point and a transition point. I believe and how a lot of people are thinking about equity within the workplace, totally. also and within broader society. Tim, can you hold on one second? I'm going to put you on. I've got this dog who is scratching at the door to get out. I got to go put her out. I'm going to I'm putting the oh, camera on. Can you use for one second. I'll be right back. Hold on. <laughs> so Daniel has to put his dog away. You know, shout out to the next normal. If you're loving what Daniel is saying or you have any thoughts on it, please tune in and let us know where you're tuning in from. What do you think about how COVID has affected a more focus on equity in the workplace? In addition to that, is causing and driving discussions. Welcome back, Daniel. <laughs> this, is like, this is part of it. Is you you now work in a, a place where like you got to worry about the dog scratching at your door. Like that that did not happen pre coronavirus. It's, like, human, it's, it's, human, like, it's human. It's natural. It's authentic. Yeah. We have to love it. You know. You know. I, I want to ask you. You know. You mentioned a lot of what LinkedIn is doing yeah. at, in terms of news curation to really adapt 
to um, what's going on in the workplace. Um, you know, and you recently you mentioned some of the people that you've recently been interviewing, one of them being Bill Gates, um, where he shared a lot of um, how he's been really disappointed in terms of how the U.S. has been handling their reaction to um, COVID-19. I would love for you to share a little bit more about how that conversation was. You know, what have you been learning with some of the people that you, you've recently been talking to? Um, uh, I think that the, so I've spent my entire career. So before I came to LinkedIn, I was a writer at uh, yeah. Fortune and editor at Fortune and at Wired, Forbes. I've always interviewed people like Bill Gates. If I had interviewed Bill Gates in my previous yeah. world. The, the difference between doing the interviews pre-coronavirus and post-coronavirus is that there is a much greater sense from the people I'm talking to about um, finding solutions together and mm -hmm. we are all all in this together. They are not escaping from the problems. And it will, being incredibly wealthy buys you a lot uh, and having this access to power buys you a lot, but it doesn't protect you from a virus that you can't see. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't, I mean, granted, I, I don't mean to, to say that they are af affected in the same way. This We know that there are, we know the groups who are more deeply affected by um, the virus and it's not billionaires. Yeah. Um, but what they, but it's forcing them to ask questions that they hadn't been asking before about, um, about where the world is going and their role in it. And so one person I'd point to is Sarah Blakely, who's the CEO of Spanx. And she talked about the, um, when her world, you know, she, she was making, they make garments for women to go out. And when you're not going out that really, there's no no one's buying anything. When retailers are closing, every, that has a huge impact on um, the business. And she has been, she sat down with every one of her employees and said, you guys come up with the answers. Wow. I need to hear from you on what the products are that we need to make. And I'm hearing that from CEO after CEO of this. And Rose Mercario from Patagonia said the same thing. It's they, It is a call to arms of asking everyone to help come up with solutions and that we are all, we all have a role to play in getting through this crisis. And so Bill Gates talking about the role of um, isolation of quarantine. And I talked to Bill very early on into this into this process, but he's paused every all the other work that he's doing around global health. He's essentially paused it to be able to focus on vaccines, mm. and um, and this this kind of urgency around it is something that I, I'm hearing from leaders everywhere. Is something that they realize that they have to. They've got to put this at the very top of mind, and they have to make sure that they are asking their employees and their customers to help come up with the solutions too, because they're not going to be able. This is an this is a unique environment we are in, or saying at least in our generation we haven't lived through, and so now is the time where you got to get the best ideas. You got to get ideas from every single person. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we're also seeing the rise of the um, unemployment rate. You know, Daniel, thank you so much for for coming on. You yeah. know, Guide Live. I would love for you to, you know, because there's so many people within our community who are facing and, and the the challenges, emotional and uh, mental, due to the un unemployment. You know, what is your powerful takeaway for them on how they can pivot and transition during this transition point in our world? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. It's one of the things that I would that I have long subscribed to, and I think is true even more now is that you've got to build your voice. Mm -hmm. That you are, that the way, we had a guy, um, there was a, a marketing executive from Nike who years ago started writing articles on LinkedIn. They were some of my favorite articles and they were about um, the rise of the sneaker culture. And he's just something he was passionate about. And he ended up getting a job as a CMO of an apparel company through those articles. Someone read them, they saw them, 
They hired him because they loved the way that he thought. And I think that this idea, and he said something later that I have not, I used in presentations all the time, which is that writing is the new resume. Yeah. Your profile tells you who you are, where you've worked, but you're writing or you're doing these kind of doing interviews and um, sharing posts and sharing videos. All of that explains how you think. And mm -hmm. I think for employers, who are trying to figure out who is worth hiring and who they need to take a chance on, especially when you can't have someone in the office and you sit with them. Like we're all hiring today is much different than it was when we could, when you could have someone in the office and see what they're like around you or go out to people used to say like, go to breakfast with somebody. That's a great way to test whether they're good or you, all that's off the table these days. Yeah, um, so it's how you think and how you talk and how you carry yourself. And we know that communicate, being able to communicate is something when we do, when we ask, uh, when LinkedIn asks employers, what is the skill? What are the skills that are most in demand? And not just when we ask them, when we look at the data to see what kind of skills are being hired for, communication is number one. Mm. You need to have people, especially in this kind of a world that we're in, this even pre-coronavirus where things change fast, where you're competing uh, with new players that you hadn't expected to compete with before, where you have a distributed workforce, being able to talk and share and understand and explain ideas really clearly and to be persuasive is super important. So I would say number one is get out there, talk, share. Um, and going back to something that Deborah had said, which was that you know we're not doing this alone, that we don't have all the answers. I think she's totally right on, which is that, and the way that that deals with talking is that you've gotta be willing to share things that you don't even know. You have to be willing to say like, I don't have the answers to this. Mm -hmm. I think that for so many people, writing, sharing, talking um, is so nerve wracking because you think you have to have the answers. You don't have to have the answers. You just have to be asking the right questions. You have to put yourself out there as a learner, as a learner, someone who's connecting dots or is asking smart questions or is trying to figure out where the world is going or explaining how they think and saying, I might not be right about this, but I think this is what is happening in the world. So number one, communicate, be out there, be talking, build something, create, be a creator. I think that's super important. Uh, number two is you got to stay connected to people. So reach out. You got to... It's exactly it. Yeah. You got to reach out. You got to put the time in. You have to put up with the cold calls and you've got to deal with the no answers and you've got to ask people and you've got to be helpful. So right. when you are doing these kind of, when you're networking, make sure that you are trying to answer, you're trying to help people with what it is that they are trying to solve themselves. Don't make it about you, make it about them. Hmm. Um, and then I would just say, like, I think this probably ties into the second one also, which is just stay in touch. Even if you don't need the networking for the sake of trying to get something solved is really important. Networking just to stay in touch with people because in time something will pan out is also really important. So try to help other people out. Don't do stuff that's just for you. Really try to um, give back. So this whole idea, idea of give and get help, I think, is really is really important. Mm -hmm. And then no, sorry, the last one is keep your skills up to date. Woo! Powerful. That's yeah. so important. Skills pay the bills. And I, we always share that with everyone on LinkedIn, right? That's it. That's <laughs> and it. That's LinkedIn and Microsoft, who you guys are doing a global skills, yeah. digital skills movement right now. That's so. right. 25 million um, people getting skilled up. Uh, so I am, uh, we, we are, we have long talked about the importance of making sure that you have the skills for the workforce of the future. 
it's just as important to be a continuous learner. I can tell you right before I came on the show, my middle son came in here with his computer and he was like, oh, dad, I'm trying to figure out how to get, I'm trying to go, I'm trying to live stream and I want to get this to work. And, you know, he's sitting there trying to, he's learning. I think the younger generation has this idea of constantly, this idea of skill skills on demand is something that they are, for people who were, who were part of the YouTube generation, have... And 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 are, and are soaked in social media. Know that there are answers available at the, with a search engine right away. Easily, and it is that is true for everyone. Though you don't have to just be a ten year old, a twelve year old kid doing this. You can be no matter what your age is. Getting skilled up is essential. You have to constantly be learning. You can do with an explainer for you everywhere. LinkedIn Learning to put a plug in. LinkedIn Learning is awesome for it. Uh, there are other places to get skilled up also, but it's all in the end. It's all up to you. You got to put the time and commitment into getting those skills, and then you can show them off to employers, or you can start your own company. You can do your own thing. You might find that you're great at something. You might find a passion because of something that you want to get skilled up on. I know I learned constantly from trying to take courses, mm-hmm. so that would be my last one. Love it, Daniel. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. We need to have you on for a future episode, man. What Absolutely, you <laughs> I'm around. I'm always around. Uh, I guess we all are. <laughs> Love it, man. Tim, thanks for everything you do. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. Stay safe, my brother. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> man, two powerful rock stars from Deborah to Daniel on today's live podcast. What do you think? Let me know if you have any feedback on Daniel's thoughts. And core takeaways again, once again. I mean, be curious. Stay creating. You know, for us with Guy, it's all a matter of building and driving the creator movement in a creator generation. So it's incredibly crucial for you to stay creating whatever you're building build it like literally build it shout out to grace mcjones be a creator stay connected to people stay in touch keep your skills up to date awesome advice daniel you are taking notes grace much love to you thank you so much for tuning in shout out to a anonymous linkedin user no excuse not to watch 30 60 minutes a week on linkedin learning so easy to learn I am obsessed with LinkedIn learning. In fact, I've probably watched about 200 courses and you can check my LinkedIn profile on LinkedIn learning. So that is true. They have courses from blockchain to professional communication, and it's always adapting based on what skills they believe they that people need and are in demand right now. So if you want to go to LinkedIn learning right now and learn something about managing a remote team, it's on LinkedIn learning. Literally. So definitely check out LinkedIn Learning and don't be scared to upskill yourself during this crisis that we are all going through together. Man, shout out to that. Yes, Anonymous. I can't see your name, sadly. I'm so sorry. It says LinkedIn user. (laughs) With that said, thank you all so much for tuning in for this episode, live episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, a guide live B2B jam session. We just had the amazing Daniel Roth as well as Deborah Owens on our show. Please definitely connect with them, follow them in their movement and all of the amazing work that they're doing. And more importantly, more importantly, if you want to be a part of Guide App Beta, we're gradually expanding our beta. Our lovely creator community is incredibly excited and has given us a lot of positive feedback with what's going on. So definitely check out guideapp.co and get early access to our beta. Shout out to Thomas Schaefer. Can't see your name, but appreciate you, man, for tuning in and showing us so much love. Wild 200, I need to up my LinkedIn learning game. Grace, you definitely need to up your LinkedIn learning game, but more importantly, up your guide game (laughs) when we launch to the public. Shout out to you, Grace. Shout out to you. 
Much love. And Grace also is a phenomenal, phenomenal remote Azure Cloud engineer with Microsoft. So definitely connect with Grace. If you need any advice or any insights on career mentorship, getting into tech, she's amazing at providing that information. With that said, God community, thank y'all so much for your time and presence. Please connect with me if you have any questions. And more importantly, if you want us to give you our platform, or if you have ideas on anyone that should be on a future episode of Guide Live, B2B Jam Sessions, let us know. We're always taking notes and we're always taking feedback, all right? With that said, y'all, talk to y'all soon. And once again, peace, love, and abundance. Peace, y'all.